You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. E-S-N-Y. Welcome to the first episode of the Hoops Addicts Anonymous podcast, uh, an elite sports radio production with your host, Jeff Campbell, and I'm thrilled to be doing this with one of the best writers at ESMY, Chip Murphy. Chip, how's it going, man? How is everything? Jeff, thanks for the intro, man. I appreciate it. Uh, It's going good. A little bit of snow here, but uh, getting back to normal. Just did some shoveling, unfortunately. That's the worst. But uh, happy to finally be doing this with you, man. We've been talking about it for a long time. So I'm happy to finally get this underway, talk some basketball. It's been a, it's about a quarter of a season in the books now. So let's get this going. I'm happy to be doing this finally. Yeah, man. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, yeah. we, we had some technical difficulties here. but Yeah, yeah. But, but pumped to be finally getting into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think when, when we were talking before, obviously we both love hoops. Uh, we both love the game, you know, on the court, off the court, free agency, analytics, trades, all that. Um, so we want, we want this podcast to be, you know, obviously NBA centered, you know, we're going to throw in some, some gambling, some betting stuff here and there, maybe some pop culture stuff as well. You know, nothing's off limits. Um, and obviously for, for people that are listening, you know, between Chip and I, you know, we, we know some pretty good writers out there and, and obviously want to have some people on the pod as well to kind of promote their stuff, give them a chance to to talk and, and promote their, you know, their content here and there. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to be doing this. We're going to get right into it. Um, and I think when, when we were talking before, obviously, one of the biggest stories in the NBA right now has to be, and I know it's to both uh, you know, the, the, the happiness of, of me and Chip here is Carmelo <laughs> Anthony, man. Carmelo Anthony back in the NBA, um, doing his thing and with the Portland Trailblazers. And Chip, I'm going to start with you here. I just want to get your uh, initial thoughts on Melo back in the NBA. What, what, are you, what are you thinking? I mean, thrilled, man. I love Melo. It's, it's great to see him back that uh, his wife with the FaceTime with his uh, son and yeah. looking over at the phone. That was a great moment there. Uh, it's just cool to see him. And watching him in Portland and looking at his role on offense and all that, it's like it's cliche to say it, but that's probably the team that he should have been on at least last year before he went to Houston, maybe right. even two years ago with OKC. Uh, I know Portland's been interested in him for a while so it just seems like a really good fit i know it's early six games but he just it's western conference player of the week carmelo anthony he just played he's looked really good i mean he seems like a great fit in that offense uh they run a lot of isolation for damon cj they run a lot of ball screens those guys move a lot uh the role players move a lot uh, i just I think he's a really good fit there, and I think it was a great decision by him to go to Portland, finally, after all the times they tried to get him in the past. But I I think it was uh, Clarence Gaines on Twitter said that Melo needed to be humbled, mm. and Melo was clearly humbled mm. because he... I was watching... Uh, did you watch the Bulls game, the last game that they played? I saw... The one he put up... saw some of the highlights, but didn't... Um... Didn't see most of it. Yeah, I was just watching a recap of it on, uh, what's it called, League Pass. Mm -hmm. And uh, he took a pass on, like, the left wing, 
And instead of like hesitating or anything or jab stepping or whatever, he had an open shot too. And instead of doing, instead of looking at the basket, he just winged it right into the corner for an open three, and the guy made it. And I was like, "Shit, man, that's not a mellow kind of thing." I know. Like that was great to see, and I know it's like a small thing, or but whatever. As a Knicks fan who really likes mellow, that was a really cool thing to see. And I don't know. I'm happy to see him on a team. I know the Blazers are still under 500, and they have a lot of work to do. But I don't know. They have Dean Lillard and CJ McCollum, and they have Nurkic coming back. They have a good coach. They just look like a playoff team. I don't know. <laughs> they feel like a playoff team when you watch them. I feel like they're going to go to the playoffs if they all stay healthy. So it's going to be good to see Melo in the playoffs because I think Portland will be there. Yeah, I uh, I, I mean, I echo and agree with a lot of that, man. I'm first first and foremost, just pumped to see him back in the NBA. Um, you know, and I, and I like the fact, at least what I've been hearing from some of the press clippings, I think I saw after it was a recent win – um, or maybe it was just when Melo got there, you know, the, they asked Terry Stotts, um, you know, how do you expect him to play? And he was like, well, I, you know, I expect him to play how he's played for most of his career, you know, and, and he's also been out of the league for a year. So there's going to be some rust there. But I actually think, you know, it's great that Melo was humbled. And I, and I do believe that he absolutely had to change parts of his game uh, to fit the new NBA and the modern NBA. And just the fact that he's not a superstar anymore. Um, or even a star, you know, but at, at least not in game, but you know, his name obviously, you know, for, for sure. But I think the, the fact that Portland, they wanted what he does, you know, they wanted his skill set on the team. You know, they lost, they lost some guys last year. They lost Al Farouk Aminu. They yeah. lost Harkless. They lost some depth at that forward position. They so, needed him. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. And I think Melo yeah. came in. They also lost, you know, Seth Curry too, you know, who is obviously a really good shooter. Um, but just in looking at some of his numbers, just six games, so obviously very small sample size, but a little over 17 points a game, 37% from three, 46 field goal percentage. Um, interestingly enough, you know, for the people that believe that um and and i do believe that he needs a limited a more limited role with portland but he's getting a little over 10 shots per game which is actually more than his time in both houston obviously very short-lived and okc um as well and he has you know he's adding six boards um in there too um even took a look at some of the synergy numbers which are not you know defensively is pretty average to below average um you know, I, my, my thing that I always worry about a little bit with Melo is I just don't want him getting too much of the credit if, if they're doing well and, and too much of the blame when they're, when they're not doing well. Because like we said before, you know, Dane was out for a lot of these games. He battled some injuries. Um, the Trailblazers are, are, like you said, still trying to catch up. This seems to be a really good fit for Melo, but you just worry about when struggles, when the team starts to struggle when he's on the court. Um, and I'm not saying he hasn't been responsible for other teams when they've struggled when he's been on the court. You just want to see that, obviously, he, he deserves criticism and evaluation on his game, but you don't want to see him getting killed for you know a team that lost some depth last year or maybe is struggling with some chemistry issues here and there. But um, do you worry that this is going to fade at all, that this, this good time, these good times with Mel, do you worry it's going to fade? I don't know if I'm worried about it, but I do think it's going to happen. I mean, every team goes through uh, struggles, especially in the West. But, I mean, and like you mentioned, Dame's injuries, if Dame were to get hurt again, Melo would have a target on his back. But it's, you know, that first, especially you look at that first game that he played in, uh, Dame didn't play. And Melo posted like a minus 20-something. Right. And everybody was posting, oh, Melo, 11 minutes, minus 25. It's like no one cares about a single game 
plus minus unless it's regards to Carmelo Anthony. Right. <laughs> like, it's so true. It's the stupidest stat ever unless it has to do with Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. I mean, oh, God, who gives a shit? But I know. it's uh, – yeah, I, I think you have a point with people jumping off quickly about the Melo thing because what do people love even more than seeing someone have a successful rise? Like it's the Tiger Woods thing. What do right. people love? What the do people rat. love even more than seeing Tiger Woods come back? They love seeing him fall and go into a disaster mode. Right. So people are going to love to see Melo play like he's playing now. But if Melo has a game where he shoots four of eighteen and is a minus thirty, people are going to love to talk about that too. So it's, I, and I don't think he's that kind of guy anymore. Or I want to believe he's not just because of what he went through, but we just don't know yet. Uh, and But my reasoning on it is I think Dame is such a dominant personality, on especially on that team. He rules that locker room with mm-hmm. an iron fist. Mm-hmm. I don't think, even if Melo wanted to be a guy who took 20 shots in a game, I don't think he's going to be, I don't think he's going to be allowed to do it on that team. I think Dame takes so many shots CJ takes so many shots. The offense is predicated around those two guys. In Houston, the offense was basically, hey, fuck it, you're open, shoot. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was the offense. Yeah. Like, and in OKC, there was no offense. It was just no, a rust dribble around, and if you feel like passing, okay. Right. And so, yeah, I, I, I think, like, I agree with you. I think this is a perfect for, fit for Melo, and... I, I, <laughs> I know I said at the beginning. Now I kind of talk myself into being worried about 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 a potential uh, disaster for Melo. I, I don't know. I'm so happy for him winning Western Conference Player of the Week, and uh, I'm happy that he's doing well and that he's smiling on the court and that we got the three to the dome thing back. Oh, and, I love it. I love it yeah, so much, man. I don't know. It's just fun to watch him, man. I know yeah. some Knicks fans are like, "Oh, I'm sick of this." Melo's not a Melo doesn't play for the Knicks. Who cares? Eh, fuck you. Yeah. I love the guy. <laughs> oh, dude, me too. Um, can't can't get enough of it. Yeah. But um, you know, I, I think it's it's been one of the really good stories in the NBA, um, and I'm obviously hoping it'll continue. But I think another early story that has has caught a lot of attention, and it, it happens every year, is you know these kind of young players that enter the NBA. Um, maybe in not such a great situation or team organization. Sometimes it's not such a great fit or just um, coaching style early on doesn't fit the player's strengths or skill sets. So there's always young players who when they hit year three or four, you know, it's, it's a big year, whether it's a contract year or they're getting close to it, you know, it's sink or swim time. You know, players are either rising to the occasion and are kind of uh, reaching the ceiling or potential of their games or they're not. And there's been a couple guys in the NBA so far that have caught a lot of flack early on in their careers for a lot of different reasons. So um, I wanted to start, Chip, with you in terms of some guys that you've seen really make a turn in in a positive way uh, in the NBA. And then I'll kind of, if you want to go one and then I'll take one and we'll kind of go back and forth. Um, But just guys that you've seen, you've kind of been impressed with this season, taking that next step maybe kind of rewriting the narrative that's been around them so far. Sure. I'll start with my first guy because, and for anybody who's out there like, what the fuck is he talking about? I'm a huge Duke fan. So, <laughs> so, full disclosure. Uh, yeah, I got full disclosure. I'm a huge Duke fan. So the fact that Luke Kennard is having what I think is a breakout season oh, yeah. uh, is impressive to me. I mean, even as someone who liked his game when he was in college, I didn't know if he'd be a good NBA player. I really didn't. And his, uh, after his rookie year, even uh, not even after his rookie year, after Donovan Mitchell's rookie year, it always seemed like he was going to be the kind of slow, maybe a good shooter who was picked a couple picks before Donovan Mitchell. And now he's in his third year. And he's averaging almost 17 a game, four assists, four rebounds. Uh, 
Uh, he's shooting 45% from the field, 40% from three, 89% from the line. No, and me and you were talking about this before, Jeff. Uh, he's a perfect fit for today's game because he his usage percentage is only 20%. Right. So he's not even in the top five on the team in usage. He doesn't need the ball a lot, but he's a really good secondary ball handler. So he's played really well next to Derrick Rose. The team's scoring 116.2 points for 100 possessions wow. with him and Rose on the court. They're really lighting it up. Plus 7.6 points for 100 possessions. Now, obviously, he really struggles defensively. That's He was terrible defensively at Duke. He's never going to be a lockdown defender, but that's the thing that's separating him from being like a star. And he may never be a star, but you know what? He's a starting shooting guard in the NBA right now, and I'm kind of surprised by that. I always thought that he'd be more of a bench player, and it's impressive to me that he's worked this hard, and he's obviously his conditioning is up, and it was very important for the Pistons that Luke Kennard become a good player because they've drafted so terribly, so terribly. Uh, The Stan Van Gundy years were bad. Yeah. For the Pistons in terms of drafting. And they've been terrible. Look, they, they're they not even in the playoffs in the East. I know they just killed the Spurs. I was looking at that box score. But the Spurs are a totally different matter. But, my God, they lost by like 30 to the Pistons. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> but it's, I, I don't know. There's something about the Kennard thing. It's, it's just surprising to me. And I kind of thought... He might just be another bust, even though I do like the guy. And for him to break out in more expanded role, you know, he's averaging 10 more minutes per game than he did last year. Uh, Career highs in minutes, shots, all that. You know, he's scoring 17 points a game. He's only taken 13 shots a game. Like I said, he's, you know, he's the fourth option on the team. He's a very efficient player. So I... I think they really like what they get from him. And if we're talking analytics, by the way, 1.9 win shares, mm. 1.6 offensive win shares. Love the guy. <laughs> love the guy. As, a, as an analytics nerd, I love the guy. What do you and think? Uh, I, I was going to say, what do you think has been the, the biggest difference between previous years? Because I know, you know, Dwayne Casey came on. I think was last season his first season, or was it the, the season before that? I forget. Um, but I, no, but, last, last season, but last I've season. always, but I've always been curious about the Pistons because they always seem like in between two modes, like whether it's rebuild or they're trying to go for it. They obviously have Blake and Drummond on the team. So you would actually think that spacing wouldn't be great with those two guys, even though uh, Blake is not like a bat, you know, he's a, is he, he's a pretty decent shooter. I mean, he's very skilled for his size, even though he's getting a little bit older now, but you know, what, have you, what do you see as, like, the biggest difference with Kennard? Because I actually, I like his game, too, but I just didn't think with the way that the Pistons were running things. And maybe it's just, you know, Stan Van is gone now. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, what do you see as the biggest difference for him? Well, I think he's playing more. Yeah. Playing way more than he ever has. And I think a lot of that's because he's in better shape. Right. Uh, I think the injury at the beginning of the season – to uh, Reggie Jackson had something to do with that. It got him more minutes in a ball handler's role. Um, I think in terms of the future of the franchise, they obviously, they realize that he's more important than Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson's probably not going to be there. But I also, I think a lot of it has to do with conditioning. I think these guys, a lot of these guys have to work on their conditioning when they come into the league. And he is bigger. He's not like, He's not jacked or anything, but he does look bigger this year. And he definitely worked on his game. And he could always shoot off the catch, but he's better off the dribble this year. Right. And he's just – I don't – he he looks quicker this year. And also, he's been a much better passer this year. I mean, he's averaging four assists this year. Last year, he averaged 1.8. I mean, I think the fact that Dwayne Casey is willing to put him in a – ball handler and ball creator role, whatever you want to say it, has really been beneficial to him. And 
I hate to go back to Duke again, but he was good in that role at Duke. So I'd always thought he'd be good in that role in the pros, and he has been. So I think, especially when Derek Rose, I think that's one of the reasons him and Rose work so well, because Rose really has excelled off the ball too. Right. So, yeah, I I think a lot of it has to do with just getting more opportunities. Some guys, sometimes guys just need more opportunities, and he's got them. So. And I think that kind of brings brings me to my first guy, who uh, who definitely given not a different role, but um, a little more usage uh, has really kind of blossomed, and and you know definitely a, a dude that had a negative cloud around you know his name, Andrew Wiggins, you know having a really really good season for the Timberwolves this year. Um, so I was reading earlier today. Really, really good article by Yaron Weitzman from Bleacher Report. Um, just kind of highlighting his improvements, you know, career highs in points per game, rebounds, assists, field goal percentage, blocks, you know, PER. You know, I'm not a huge PER guy, but, you know, it's risen from 12.42 to 20.12. I mean, that's a huge jump. Um, you know, attacking the rim more, it seems like for him, it really comes back to, you know, Ryan Saunders, uh, a coach that, you know, is quietly kind of developing a nice name for himself around the league. You know, players seem to really like him, especially in Minnesota where he has such uh, cachet with his dad um, and that organization. It seems like people um, really do like playing for him and he does have a really good relationship with Wiggins. But also Gerson Rosas, you know, uh, the guy that came into the Timberwolves organization they decided from the get-go that they were going to be very analytically driven so uh, even in that article today they said that you know Rosas similar to something that I read about with um, with Budenholzer in, in Milwaukee was kind of putting stickers around the floor to indicate point point value based on where shots were taken on the floor and they kind of went to Wiggins and they were saying listen you know the you like these long twos but this is what they're actually worth in today's game. And if you're taking more threes, if you're attacking to the rim, that's that's going to, you know, obviously be good for your skill set and it's also going to help us win games. So, you know, and it's and it's you can see the difference. Just 12% of his shots are coming from long twos down from 22% last year. He's putting up almost two more threes per game. Um and the guy looks great. He looks like he's enjoying his basketball. Um the Timberwolves, I don't think their their record is great. I think they're like eight and eight. I mean, somewhere around five hundred. They might be in the seventh spot in the West right now. But um, you know, I think I think he's a, a really good example of someone who, you know, a lot of people are getting ready to write the bust label on. You know, has had a big contract, a lot of money attached to his name, but he's really turned it around. So um, definitely happy for the guy. I mean, just happy to watch good basketball from whoever it is, but um, especially considering how high he was drafted, um, it's good to see him playing well. Um, Chip, what about you? What about your your next guy? My next guy uh, is Brandon Ingram. Okay. Uh, I uh, Speaking of the bus label, we talked about that oh, yeah. twice already. That's a, a label that a lot of people had put on him after the trade, the Davis trade. Uh, I remember when he came into the league and he was kind of, uh, I guess, what's the word, unfairly labeled, or it's not unfairly, but I guess uh, he was unfairly labeled Kevin Durant. That's not, unfairly is not the word. I guess it was uh, I, It's kind of like cursed, a, it's like cursed, a guess, premature hype almost, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, premature like, hype, yeah. As like the next Kevin Durant, basically just because he's skinny, right? They and and could shoot a little bit. Right. And by the way, was and had a terrible shooting season as a rookie. So and he was supposed to be a good shooter, even though he wasn't a very good shooter in college. So that never made sense. And he, oh my God, he struggled shooting threes as a rookie because that's never happened before. Wow. But, um, <laughs> he, yeah, so the Lakers wrote him off after that. Uh, it was pretty obvious. He was buried by the media all the time. And he was destined to be traded for a star, and he did. And now he's lighting it up in New Orleans. I mean, Zion's 
unfortunately, it looks like getting fatter by the moment. Yeah. My God. Yeah, if you see these, if you saw that Twitter picture of him like uh, on Thanksgiving or the day before Thanksgiving, my he, God. He looked like he was hiding a couple uh, Ruffles bags yeah. under under the sweater, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, I'll give him this. It's tough to stay in shape when you're not on the court. And he's already a big guy, so any little weight that he puts on, I feel like it's going to be magnified. But, uh, I mean, you're always going to worry about weight with him, man, especially when it comes to knees, and he's already having some lower body issues. So, Mm -hmm. you know, know, just it's uh, it's something to watch for, for sure. Definitely. I mean, you got to be worried about Zion. But uh, back to Ingram, uh, the thing I like about Ingram, we've always been concerned – about how uh, passive he's been, mm. and you know his his first three seasons, his usage were sixteen point eight, twenty two point two, and twenty three point two. This year, his usage is twenty nine point two. I love that, and his true shooting percentage is a career high. So his numbers haven't his shooting percentage. His usage has gone up. His shots have gone up. He's averaging eighteen point nine shots. And he's shooting almost 50% from the field, and he's shooting career high from three, 42%. Now, the Pelicans uh, didn't offer him a uh, extension, so he's playing. He's also playing for a contract. Right. So you need to be so you need to be a little bit weary of that. But and the Pelicans also aren't very good. More on that later. They've been pretty disappointing, but. I, I just can't ignore how impressive the guy's been. I, I didn't think he was capable of this. Uh, they, they're 14th in the West. Yeah, the Pelicans, 6-14. and 14. So it's hard not to look at that and say, is this a Kevin Love, uh, Timberwolves kinds of numbers? Uh, but right now, it's just we need to look at Brandon Ingram and say, like, I don't think we ever really expected 25 points a game from him. And I know the argument is that stats and points are amplified right now because of all the threes. And I I guess you could say that, but the kid's still got to make the threes, doesn't he? He's making threes at a 42% clip. That's a pretty high clip. So I I like what I've seen from Ingram. Uh, I know the team's terrible. Uh, I think the fact that – Zion got hurt should not have affected them nearly as much as it did. And I think them being eight games under 500 this early is already means they're out of it. But uh, I've been really impressed by Ingram and I wanted to say him because, because of the way the Pelicans are playing, no one's really talking about him, which I understand, but I just wanted to note him here. Yeah. I, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. He was definitely on my list too. Um, and even a couple of things that, that I wanted to add on him, um, you know, the change of scenery was big. You know, one of the things that I was kind of looking up when I, when I started to research him was that you looked at a lot of the Lakers lineups where he was involved. He was really playing the three a lot, even sometimes yeah. shooting guard as well with a really ball dominant forward like LeBron, you know, you had Ingram who has a great skill set, can take people off the dribble, create um, separation. You had him um, like a spot-up shooter, you know, like waiting for LeBron to make a play, which really wasn't great for him. You know, now he's with the Pelicans, he's playing the four more. Um, You know, Alvin Gentry is a coach that is known to give players a lot of freedom. Um, and even with some of the shooters that the Pelicans have, like Redick, Ingram's got a little bit more space to drive the basket, which is really good. Um, one interesting stat that I saw with Ingram, there's only a couple players right now averaging 25 points per game, seven boards, and four assists. And it's Brandon Ingram, Giannis, and Luka. So pretty pretty good company to be in right now. He's... Um, He's definitely turned things around, obviously, in a contract year. Um, but good to see him playing, playing for sure. Um, another guy I had on my list, which is like beyond surprising uh, because his name has, you know, incited so much 
uh, he's a polarizing player to say the least, but when he was right, was easily one of the most dominant players in the NBA for, you know, the later parts of the, I guess, or the early parts of the 2010s, if you want to call it. But Dwight Howard, man, I can't even believe I'm saying this, his name. Dwight Howard in the NBA, being productive, not taking 10 post-ups a game, not slowing down the offense, um, enjoying his basketball right now in L.A., averaging over a block a night, playing 20 minutes, which is perfect for him, screen assists, offensive boards. Um, He's been really good when he's on the court. The Lakers are outscoring opponents, uh, you know, close to 25 points per 100 possessions, which is pretty damn good. And, you know, he's in a place with a strong culture. You know, LeBron James is there. Um, there's, there's a good amount of veterans on that team as well. He's been humbled, much like we talked about, you know, Melo being humbled. And it's very clear that he is, you know, playing to save his NBA career and show organizations that he can play a role and still be productive you know you haven't heard anything from him off the court um so Dwight Howard man a a guy that I've been really surprised with and not just from a sense that he's been uh, individually productive but good for the team too uh, which has been really important I love Dwight Howard but uh can we give a little Shout out to Markel Fultz real quick. Oh yeah, a thousand percent, man. Oh my god, yes. Please. I wasn't even I wasn't even thinking. I it slipped my mind and then it just it while you were talking about Dwight Howard, I was like, holy shit, I Orlando. forgot to talk about Markel Fultz. <laughs> I gotta talk about Markel yeah. Fultz. He's had some really fucking good games. Oh man, totally, totally. Eleven point seven points, three point eight assists. They finally moved him into the starting lineup. I think they're playing him too much. Uh, or, well, I notice also Orlando Magic fans are complaining on Twitter because, you know, Orlando Magic Twitter uh, are complaining that they're playing him too much with DJ Augustine, that he needs to be like the only point guard out there, I guess. Mm. But the Magic have not been playing very well. They're only like the eighth seed. But my God, that team cannot score. Oh my God. They're. Watching the Knicks and watching them, I, I guess the Knicks are a worse offense. But, oh, my God, I think the Knicks have more offensive talent than the Magic do, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's, pretty, it's pretty bad. So when he comes on the court, they just become a better team. And then you look at the numbers, they're uh, plus 4.8 points per 100 possessions when Fultz is out there. And – it's they're a better team with him, and when the, he was on the court with the Sixers, they were an absolute nightmare, obviously. So, and the uh, the standout obviously he's going to struggle offensively for a little while, but right now, today, defensively, Fultz is really, really good and has the potential to be elite defensively. So, just because of that, he looks like a starting point guard in the NBA, and. The Magic already have a lot of good defensive players, so he doesn't really help them in that. But I don't know. It's fun to watch a guy who was written off as could be out of the league and is having a good season. I mean, he's, you know, he can't shoot still. His shooting stroke looks bad. Um, But it's good. Unlike Ben Simmons, he's actually willing to shoot the ball. He's He's not afraid to put up a shot. Um, but he's a really good defensive player and I, I just wanted to give, I, I almost forgot to give Marco Fultz a shout out. I was like, Oh my God, that would have been, that would have been terrible. Uh, but he's on a, he's on a disappointing team, but he's on a great defensive team. He's on a, he's could be a great defensive player. He reminds me a little bit of Frank Ilakina without mm. the buzz. Um, Frank doesn't have the, uh, skill obviously that Fultz does, but it's, I don't know. Like I said, it's fun to watch the guy just because of the story surrounding him. And every time he, he makes a play, it ends up on Twitter just because of who he was and what happened in Philly. So it's, it's entertaining. I thought he deserved a shout out. 
Oh, I couldn't agree with you more, man. Um, and it's so clear too, like a lot of his struggles were really, you know, they, they had to be more mental than anything. Yeah. And just to see him get through that, that, you know, that wall and, and just, you know, playing free out there right now, he's, you can tell that he has the skill set to, to be good in this league. So I definitely hope it works out. Um, and Orlando was a perfect landing spot, too. Yeah, perfect. yeah, yeah. Because he's off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. It's off the beaten path. And they also, they don't have a definitive timeline right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> the Orlando Magic don't have to be good for a while because they have, you know, a good amount of young players. Um, Bamba, Isaac, you know, Vucevic. I think Vucevic is still relatively young. Is he even 30 yet or no? I'm almost positive he's not even 30. Yeah, so they don't have to be good for a while. They can toy around. They can take risks. Um, you just want to see them have, like, a more definitive direction. And obviously, offense is, is a big issue for them. But you're, you're 100% right. Fultz, My <laughs> you know, the Magic are not a, a hotbed for media. You know, it's not a place where he's going to get killed. He can kind of... Yeah have some bad games here and there and, and be relatively out of the, the spotlight, which is good. Um, but, you know, I mean, you bring up the magic and, and that kind of also leads us to another topic that wanted to talk about teams that had either gotten off to a hot start, surprisingly, whether for better or for worse. Um, like you said, we're a quarter over the way through the season. So at this point, you know, obviously things can turn around. You had the Miami Heat that year. That made that crazy. What were they? Eleven and thirty, and then they went like, you know, they they had some wild, wild comeback to you know either just miss or sneak into wasn't the AC. It, wasn't it thirty and eleven? That's Didn't what they yeah. Flip it? 30, yeah. They flipped it thirty and eleven, yeah. which is insane. Um, so obviously it, it's possible, but not likely. But some of the teams that that I was looking at, um, I'll start with a, a negative. A team that has not played as well as I thought they would. I didn't think they would be world beaters by any stretch of the imagination, but you know when you have Greg Popovich as your coach, who's had so much success, uh, to, to see the Spurs at seven and fourteen, and I think they were had an eight-game losing streak before beating the Knicks um, about a week ago. They, you know, it's been really, really interesting to see uh, their fall. They're a team that for a while now has kind of been bucking the trend in terms of analytics. Um, not not a team that likes to shoot a lot of threes. They have they had Lamarcus Aldridge, so they were already a little more mid range oriented. Then they brought in DeRozan, who is extremely mid range oriented. Um, Dejounte Murray has struggled. You know they were really looking forward to him coming back and and being really good. He's had a lot of turnovers. He's also a guy that can't shoot that well. I think Patty Mills is is one of their best shooters and is having like a career year, but. They just don't have a lot of spacing with that team. Um, like I said, they, they don't take a lot of threes, and I think their defense has been pretty rough too. I think they're like 24th in defensive rating right now. So really surprised to see this from Popovich team. But at the same time, like this was going to happen at some point, right? Like the, the Spurs can only be the model franchise for the NBA for, for so long, and then you kind of have to – you know, go back to the drawing board and, you know, tank or whatever you want to do and um, get some high draft picks, bring some new blood in. But they were they were definitely disappointing to me for sure. What do you think? For me, I'll start with the negative two. Uh, and I'm going to go with the Pelicans. Uh, and I know there weren't extremely high hopes for them before the season, but I did think they'd at least compete for the playoffs, maybe even grab like the seventh seed and surprise some people. But uh, they're six and fourteen right now, as we're recording this on Monday. They're fourteenth in the West. Uh, they, I know Zion got hurt, but I mean he's a, I, and he's supposed to be great. I know that, but he is just a rookie, and. Losing a rookie shouldn't knock you down that much. And they still have Drew Holiday. Brandon Ingram's been great. Uh, J.J. Redick has not, uh, has been, or I, I don't know. J.J. Redick's look like J.J. Redick. You know, he shot the ball really well. Uh, he obviously has lost his step defensively and isn't the player he used to be. 
but he's still he's playing like JJ Reddick. Josh Hart is playing well. Look, Lonzo Ball is never going to be a spectacular shooter. He he struggles, and I'm not sure if Lonzo Ball is a starting point guard in the NBA because of that. He's shooting below 40 percent. Um, but the biggest problem is, and it's something I didn't think they'd struggle with. Their defense is absolutely horrendous. Uh, I was looking. I love the fact that they play fast, and I love the fact that they take a lot of threes. They're fifth in threes taken, second in threes made, and fourth in three-point percentage. But I was looking at their uh, schedule, and they haven't allowed less than 100 points in a single game the entire season. That's insane. Uh, they're 25th in defensive rating, which I was surprised they were that high. It shows how much bad defense there is in the NBA right now. Mm. So you were just talking about the Spurs. The Spurs are behind them. The Warriors are behind them, which I don't even know if they should count as a basketball team. <laughs> then the Hornets are behind them, and the Hawks, who, my God, the Hawks yeah. are a disaster. But uh, And then the Wizards are 30th, and the Wizards, sometimes it doesn't even look like anyone on that team is trying to play defense. So right. that's not really surprising, I guess. But, yeah, the Pelicans, uh, I, I guess we knew we'd – They've scored wherever Alvin Gentry has been. They've scored, but their defense has been an absolute freaking disaster. And they're, like I said, they're 25th in uh, defensive rating. They're low in pretty much every defensive category. They're low in opponents' effective field goal percentage, 26th. They're 24th in opponents' three-point percentage. They're not doing anything they're supposed to be doing well. They're, and they're also 21st in opponent's percentage at the rim. So, I'm uh, sorry, I'm just going through cleaning the glass right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> As I'm reading all this stuff. Great I'm sight, reading man. across the column. Yeah. Um, it's watching them. They, they have so many guys on that team that you would think they should just be a good team. Like, and then they have, like you mentioned Alvin Gentry before. Alvin Gentry is a good coach, too. So it's like, why can't they just put it all together? And why aren't they just a good team? They they just don't stop anybody, man. Like, they just lost back-to-back games against the Thunder, and a uh, home-and-home against the Thunder. And I don't know. They've lost five in a row, and they're in the West. I, I, I know David Griffin and Alvin Gentry have history, but there could be a coaching change in the works, possibly. Uh, if things don't turn around once Zion gets back, and I don't think Zion's going back anytime soon. So, and six and fourteen is not what they envisioned when they signed JJ Redick and Derek Favors and all these guys. So, uh, they're they're definitely a disappointment to me. Yeah, I I, uh, I definitely agree with that, especially that last part too. I remember. Um, over the summer, listening to the Low Post, and, and I think he had Reddick on, and Red, Reddick was talking about why he signed with the Pelicans, and he used the word special. He was like, there's something special going on down here, and there's a lot of season left, so there's time for them to turn it around, but yeah, I mean, 6-14 and 14 is a rough spot, especially when you're in the West. Um, Zion is a rookie, and, and even when he comes back from this injury, you don't want him to have to assume all the responsibility, try to force things either physically or on the court as well. Um, you know, so, I mean, their, their case is interesting for sure. Another team in a positive way, but not like a crazy positive way that, that I've been interested with is the Hornets, man. I mean, like, the Charlotte Hornets were supposed to be, like, in the doldrums of, like, basketball hell this year. Like, they signed Terry Rozier who has horrible <laughs> shooting percentages across the board. Um, I mean, you know, everything. I mean, I, I actually kind of like James Borrego, but, you know, who knows um, what was going to happen there. I mean, Vegas, I think, had them at, I don't know, 26, maybe 23 to t- through 26 wins. I forget what it was, but... Um, they're nine and thirteen. They're sitting on the ninth spot, um, and they found a gem in Devonte Graham, who's been absolutely tearing it up. 
He's their do-it-all guard. Um, P.J. Washington out of Kentucky has been really good. And listen, man, Malik Monk, you know, as, as Knicks fans for, for you and me, uh, we knew a lot about Malik Monk coming out of college because there was a lot of debate about whether the Knicks should take him. Um, he's had a rough start to the beginning of his career. But, you know, when he hit that game winner, uh, I think it was it was the night before the, the Hornets played the Knicks because then Devontae Graham hit the game winner against yeah, us. Yeah. But, you know, he's played well for them. And uh, Marvin Williams is always a guy that stretches the floor. He seems to figure out a way to get productive minutes and play well for them. So I don't know what's going to happen with them. I mean, listen, they could fall off the rails and it could get ugly there really quick. But, um, you know, Miles Bridges has looked okay as well. So uh, they're a team that, that, you know, just caught my eye a little bit. You know, I, I try not to go too obvious with these. I mean, the Suns were a nice story in the beginning of the year, and they were looking as well. But maybe a team that, uh, you know, flew under the radar a little bit. Obviously, 9-13, and 13, they're not great, right? But, I mean, I expected them. I expected them to have the Knicks record at this point in the year. So... Um, anything over that has been, I think, pretty positive for them. Um, any other teams that, that you've been looking at, either in a, a positive or negative way, that have kind of stood out to you? You know, looking at there wasn't that many teams that surprised me with how well they were doing, uh, except for, like, the Heat, to be honest with you. Um, I, I know a lot of people were high on the Heat. You mentioned Lopo. Zach Lowe was really high on the Heat. Uh, I didn't think they were going to be this good. Yeah, they're. I think they're third in the yeah third in the East right now, tied with the Celtics. Um, fourteen and five as we're recording this. Like, I didn't see this coming. I was. I guess I didn't uh, think highly enough of uh, Jimmy Butler, and it's not like he's lighting up the scoreboard either. You know, the Heat have. What, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys averaging in double figures? That's pretty crazy. And then Kevin Kelly Olynyk's averaging nine. So I'm not sure if that's uh, sustainable for an entire season. But I also didn't know Kendrick Nunn was going to become a freaking oh, star. God, yeah. No one saw that coming. Listen. I don't know who the hell that guy is. Yeah. But. <laughs> I mean, he's what? He's um, got to be, uh, you know, tops for, for rookie of the year. Yeah. Nominee in the running. I mean, he's killing it. Yeah, he's he's got to be the leader, right? Yeah. He's oh, yeah. fantastic. I, I would agree. Um, but Drogic has also been really good. Drogic's been good. I think it's his uh, contract year, too. And Bam Adebayo's been fantastic. Yeah. The Heat are, I was looking at their metrics, too. The Heat are, uh, I think, yeah, they're top five in their fourth in uh, accuracy at the rim, and Bam obviously has a lot to do with that. And they're second in uh, effective field goal percentage. Wow. So they, they make a lot of their threes. Uh, they don't take a lot. They're, they're 17th in three-point uh, attempts, but they're 11th in makes, and they're uh, third in three-point percentage. Uh, they make 39% of their threes. Mm. So that's a pretty good uh, ratio there. So um, – I would, I guess a lot of people expected the Heat to be here, but uh, I'm saying it because I thought maybe the Heat would be outside of the top four, maybe a five or a six. Um, and I still think they could wind up there, but I think Spo is such a good coach and it's really been impressive what he's done, just having Jimmy Butler there. And Jimmy Butler hasn't even played well yet. You know, he's shooting 42%. He's shooting below 25% from three right now. And what's going to happen when he starts playing well? Are they going to be, it should, do I even say this? Like, could they be the favorites in the East when Jimmy starts playing well? Oh, I, I mean, the yeah. si- the si- I tweeted this the other day, the Sixers, both times we played them, the Sixers have looked pretty unimpressive to me. I mean, very beatable. Uh, the Celtics have looked beatable. Uh, I know, look, the Bucks have not looked, very beautiful. <laughs> the, <laughs> bucks are, the bucks are a fucking juggernaut. As we say that right now, I literally, I had to look at my phone. The Knicks are down like, it's it's halftime. They're, I think they're down 
or no, they were down 26 with seven minutes to go in the first half. So, yeah. I mean, that doesn't really go to show you how unbeatable the Bucks are, just how bad the Knicks are, but um, the Bucks are a squad, man, for sure. I think it's I think it's the Bucks and then everyone else in the East um, because everyone came in saying it was the Bucks and Sixers. So and the Sixers just haven't looked like even close to the Bucks level right now. But um, what was I going to say? Uh, we're talking about the Heat. Uh, yeah, I think if Jimmy Butler gets back to Jimmy Butler form, we could be looking at. The Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals against Milwaukee. That wouldn't surprise me with Spo as the coach. I I agree with that. I remember when we tried doing this um, prior to the – literally, like, I, I was a big Heat guy. I thought they could really make a lot of noise. So, um, you know, I, I, I they're one of the few teams and organizations where you hear the buzzword culture, you know, culture this, culture that. Like, they live it. You know, people talk about how, you know, brutal their workouts are and there are guys that go into the team and they lose like 10% body fat, like all of this stuff. Um, yes. So you have to be really willing to push yourself and, and work hard to be on that squad. So they're, you know, they're doing it. Jimmy Butler is a great leader. I love Bam Adebayo. Hero looked really good coming out of um, summer, league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. summer league and preseason. He looked good. So... Listen, it's uh, they are they are fun to watch, man. So I'm I'm very big into the Heat. But I think um, overall, I know we've hit on a lot of stuff today. Is there anything else that NBA related or outside of that that's been piquing your interest lately? Um, I think that's pretty much it for me. Um, always fun to watch the young guys and see who's kind of like separating themselves. Uh, anything from your end? Um, I think that's, for me too, I think I just, for the first uh, show that we did, I, th- I think I just wanted to talk basketball for the most part, or maybe get into some other stuff. Yeah. Um, I think catch up on like the major storylines, Mellow in particular, I think it was important we talked about that, especially. So, yeah, I think I'm good. I wanted to talk, uh, talk Mellow, uh, and we got to talk Mellow. So, and of course, the Knicks are getting their asses kicked. I just, <laughs> I just, I just, I do on my phone. So that's great. <laughs> the Knicks suck. Yeah. Uh, I sometimes have to turn off notifications because I'm not trying to screw up the rest of my day. But that's, that's life when you're a Knicks fan. Um, but hey, I mean, listen, Mello, um, you know, he's coming to the garden. It's going to be New Year's Day, I think, January 1st. So, yeah. That's uh, that's obviously a date I'm, I'm sure we'll both have on our calendar. But yeah, yeah man, um, definitely pumped to get this first episode done and done. Um, and, you know, I think we'll be looking forward to trying to at least do a pod weekly, you know, eventually have some guests on, some guys that we really, um, you know, respect and, and look forward to whenever they, they come out with a piece that they're writing, things like that. Yeah. Um, and you know down down to talk whatever so I'm very happy we were able to do this agreed this was great man absolutely absolutely alright man well listen uh, always good talking with you and uh, we will talk soon